And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, I uh, love the show, man. Hey, Mark, how you doing, pal? All hail, double M. The X at 105.9. Wow, Francisco Cervelli is concussed so bad he thinks he's Benito Santiago in, the pri- in his prime or something. What a throw that was. But I think the new guy missed the tag. Which of this gets overturned? Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden. Dan Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com joins me right now. He'll be in for Mark tomorrow. I'm in for Mark today. Dan was in yesterday. Dan, let's talk about your topics from yesterday before we get to mine today and maybe one of yours tomorrow. Uh, and that was about the Pirates and the Chris Archer trade and why it was done. Uh, first of all, what did you think of his outing today as opposed to what he gave everybody to see at PNC Park in his first effort? Yeah, it's hard to evaluate anybody at Coors Field. You know that, Tim. Uh, the, the the numbers and uh, the altitude and the scope of the outfield and everything else that's involved. I, I guess if there's one thing that you're looking for from Archer is more swings and misses. He had, uh, out of his 96 pitches, he had 23 pitches fouled off. That's not a number that a lot of people track, but it's a sign that you're kind of there and you're not all the way there. Um, this wasn't an outing where he was going to have nerves. Uh, you know, he's on the road. He's far from Pittsburgh. He already got the debut out of the way, got the stuff with the teammates out of the way. So, you know, one thing about Archer to keep in mind, I think, and this is important, uh, just because there was a bunch of hullabaloo and fuss on trade deadline day and the Pirates winning the trade deadline, They didn't pick up an ace. I've seen people go so far as to suggest that, you know, this is the new face of the franchise and stuff like that. It's it's crazy. I mean, you're talking about somebody who's got a 4.5 ERA. He's a good, reliable, extremely durable, which is valuable pitcher, but he's not a star. He's not not somebody that, you know, you just put into a rotation and say, that's your ace. No, I thought that they got themselves a number two or three for this year. More mm-hmm. or less, uh, that's what I thought, and I appreciated the effort. But uh, if they don't do anything to get into the playoffs this year in terms of getting on a winning streak and leapfrogging all these teams in the wild card, then you know I think you were alluding to this point. It's still a cost-effective move for them because sure. they've got a two or three for next year. So you yeah. would take a it's for for three more years. He has he's under control, team control through 2021, and the last two years are club options that pay him 8.5 each year, you would be happy paying your four- or five-starter that amount in those years. So it's a really good deal in that sense. I just I think that there was so much excitement about it that there was an irrational expectation that this is some star pitcher. He's not that. He's never been that. If you're looking for someone or multiple someones to become your top-of-the-rotation guys – Look at the way Jamison Tyone is pitching right now, and I'm not just saying this because of the complete game at Coors Field last night, which is almost unheard of. Uh, I'm saying it because he's been pitching this way for a while. He has the stuff. He has the mental makeup. All he ever needed to do was stay on the mound. How about Joe Musgrove in his last four starts, Tim? Yeah, he's been really good, and uh, Tyone was definitely good last night. We were talking about the lack of complete games across baseball and how that can well actually how it directly ties into the trade that was made because Tyler Glass now might find himself as a it sounds weird to say this but a starter specialist <laughs> like start really well for three innings yeah, only in and Tampa, get, right? right and then get yanked right <laughs> yeah that's how it works down there right now but you know what Glass now has gotten strikeouts he's working with a pitching coach down there 
whose name escapes me at the moment, but he's also very tall and has a history of working with pitchers who are very tall, who have a lot of moving parts and have their own challenges and complications. So, you know, does that mean that you would excuse uh, Ray Searage for not fixing Tyler Glass now while he was here? No, probably not, especially after watching Charlie Morton and Garrett Cole figure it out somewhere else. But there would at least be an explanation for why Glass now would have an advantage down there. Yeah, he's been pretty good. Dayan Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com with us. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden today. Dayan will be with us tomorrow. Dayan, today we were talking about Sidney Crosby quite a bit. He turned 31 on, uh, what was it, on uh, Monday. So 31st birthday for Sid on 8-7. And I went back today in the trib and did a long outline on other great players and what they did from year 31 on. And a lot of great individual accomplishments can still be had from 31 on. Uh, team accomplishments, a little tougher to come by. Even the greats who hung around for a while, like Gretzky and Lemieux and Yager and even Gordie Howe, uh, didn't get another Stanley Cup after the age of 30. Do you see one definitely in Sid's future? Most of the respondents I had to a web poll said that they are very much thinking that a 90% response rate, Dayon, that he's going to get himself another cup. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think you, you definitely think he's getting one more before he retires? I mean, I don't know about that. I, I think that if there's a separation, you mentioned it, it's interesting, and 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 I, and I did see your piece that you break down the team concept because not a lot of people think about that. They they do look at the individual aspects, but from the team concept, I'll throw a, a, a curve back at you. When you look at the Chicago Blackhawks and the three cups that they won. Uh, with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and, of course, the, the great defensemen that they've had. Those guys right now are making way more than Sid and Gino, uh, meaning Taves and Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're each at 10.5. Now, in a cap league, that makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, Sid, of course, is at 8.7. I want to say Gino, off the top of my head, is at 9.1 or something to that effect. It's, it's not significantly higher than Sid's, but it is higher. Uh, that makes a huge difference, man. I mean, that, that in, 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 a, in a cap league, is it, it sets the cap really for the rest of your own team. You know, no one's going to make more than Sid and Gino around here, like ever. Right. And so when Chris Letang signs his deal, his is lower and so forth. You know, when they sign the rest of these guys, the Penguins are capable of having a supporting cast that I think is not going to fizzle as quickly as Chicago's did, uh, as Los Angeles's did. Um, and, and that's going to be a difference for the Penguins moving forward. You know, Sid and Gino are going to have to both, uh, but since we're talking about Sid here, Sid's going to have to reinvent himself to a degree. Uh, I'm reminded of something that he told me in Edmonton. Remember when the Sid and the kids line first got together and they were just like putting 20 shots of, uh, a game on net? Sid said something to me in Edmonton where, where we were joking about, you know, about how he's used to having line mates keep up with him. And he said, I'm having a hard time keeping up with these guys. Of course, he's talking about Jake Gensel and Connor Sheary uh, at the time. He might have to become more of the, the maestro uh, or, or the conductor of the orchestra as opposed to the one who's playing all the solos. And, yeah, he's going to have to become Eiserman, who he loved as a player. He's yeah. going to have to become Eiserman in 2002. Yeah, I, I mean, Eiserman became that complete, I mean, really complete, like dominant two-way forward, um, especially later in his career with Detroit. And 
he was able to he was able to do things with his wingers that he hadn't done in the past. And and Sid, you know, to his credit, has constantly, even in his younger years, not so much reinvented himself as he has just augmented his own game. So, yes. It, it can be done. Um, I, I, yeah, I think, I think you will too. I just I, I'm not yeah. comfortable like to the 90 percent clip that we were getting people saying either he would do it or he and Ben both would do it. What do you think about Ben? Does he have one more in him here in Pittsburgh? I think if I think it's this year. You think uh, they're going to win it this year? I, I, well, I'm I'm saying that it's this year or it's not. Yes, that part I saying. agree with. Yes, I mean that's where that's where you get into the not so much regarding Ben and his offensive linemen, uh, but you're also you know looking at a 30-year-old Antonio Brown, a position that doesn't lend itself toward uh, him having constant separation for the rest of his career as he gets older. But the biggest one for me is Le'Veon Bell. I know nobody wants to hear that right now. We all like to pretend at the moment that Le'Veon isn't all that important and he can be replaced by James Conner or whoever else. It isn't true. It isn't true. You have the best running back in the NFL. You have a weapon like no one else. And everyone, including the quarterback in the offensive line, are accustomed to playing with him, even though he's an unorthodox player, and including his running style. You have to capitalize on that when it's there. To conclude, Day, on the last 60 seconds here, give me a guy on offense and a guy on defense you're most interested in watching for the first preseason game. Uh, do I have to answer Mason Rudolph, even though that's so obvious? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll you can answer him. I, I would also answer James Washington because I think I he's actually going to play. Yeah. So. I mean, James Washington, and I'm also going to be looking for, you know, to, to go a little off the rails here with you. Or actually, we're not allowed to say that Pittsburgh anyone, right? You're not allowed to go <laughs> off the rails. Politically incorrect. Um, I, I would say Chooks Okorafor is someone I'm looking at. He, he yeah, that's fair. Had yeah, his, sure. He, he's had his good moments and his bad in camp. But they need offensive line depth, not just because of Ramon Foster's injury, but going into the long term. You want to see real live offensive linemen come up. Uh, defensively, I won't be able to take my eyes off Terrell Edmonds. I, I love what I've seen of him in camp. He's so mature, poised. Tim, you've seen and heard him out there. We both have. It's, it's like he's a veteran. It's like he's a young Carnell Lake, like just walking onto the field. Yeah, I'm on board. I'm going to watch him in Cam Sutton as well. I want to see how he's deployed and how he performs best in the different yeah. positions where they ask him to play. Dayon, thanks. We'll listen to you tomorrow. Thanks, Tim. All right, Dayon Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. He'll be on for Mark tomorrow. And I will be on DVE for the pregame show in advance of Steelers and Eagles preseason game number one. If you missed our clips from Hard Knocks focusing on Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley, in the profanity-laced tirade from Jarvis Landry. We'll have them to conclude the show next. Day on was brought to us by Walnut Grill here on 105.9 The X.